Hello and welcome to this episode of the Coaching Podcast from British Canoeing Awarding Body. Hi and welcome to British Canoeing Awarding Body uh, Coaching Podcast. My name's Lee Pooley. I'm the Director of Coaching and Qualifications and um, today what we're doing is, is this is part two, uh, part two of focusing on coach burnout. And I'm absolutely delighted that uh, Ben Ben Woodroff is um, uh, enabled to be able to get some time out of his new work. I mean, Ben used to work for British Canoe as a digital uh, learning developer, and um, it's great to have you. It's great to have you uh, on the podcast again, Ben. Thank you, Lee. Uh, it's, it's it's really strange being on the other side. Normally, it was sort of my myself in your shoes, and then editing it, putting it together, and disseminating it. So yeah, it's uh it's nice to be back. Um, thank you for having me back, and it's been nice sort of having a, a bit of a catch up about British canoeing, um, sort of seeing how that's that's developed since since I left last year. Yeah. So you so it was last year. So how, how long ago was it? You know, it's twelve months or? Oh wow, actually, it's probably longer now, isn't it? It's about a year and a half. It was November twenty one. Um, so just below a year and a half now. Okay, so so eighteen months down the line. Um, what's new for you, Ben? Where, what are you doing? Um, and uh, what, what's new in your life? What's new? So I'm currently working at the University of East Anglia, um, sort of split role. So I'm an associate tutor on the PE Sports Health um, and Education course, and that is sort of lecturing in academic and professional practice. Uh, psychology of education and sport um, I've done a little bit of outdoor and adventurous activities so we went uh, canoeing last year which was amazing um, dragging that sort of experience across um, and I also work with UEA sport um, so the, the university sport and organization where there's 56 sports clubs we look after um, I look after 19 unfortunately kayaking isn't one of my clubs my colleague Hughes club um, but they get up to all sorts and, and sort of all over the place actually quite quite um entertainingly they lost a boat in scotland recently and, and we received a call last week saying that someone had found it in their back garden um okay. so we've we've got the boat back that's sort of a bit about me at the minute yeah and um you know sounds like a busy time you know you moved from british Goon to the university um started tutoring there um and looking after clubs 19 of the 19 of the clubs and at the same time um continued your research um and completed an msc because you know when we had you know we talk about part one and part two part one um was you know your your degree your paper around coach burnout and um you know if listeners haven't you haven't listened to that yet i would i would recommend that they 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 have a look at that particular one because one of the things that i thought was really really sort of impactful on our conversations around your previous paper then was how um how open you were about it your personal experiences your your you know your personal wrestles that you had with coach burnout etc so obviously it's, it's a very close thing that you you have in terms of you know you're very passionate about it so this is this a continuation? Was it a, the MSc? Was it a continuation of your of your study? And could you give some background and methodology around what the MSc was about? Yeah, of course. So um, with with the the, the the research, the study, 
Um, I was offered an opportunity while I was still at British Canoeing, as, as you know, Lee, um, to, to come and study a master of research at the University of East Anglia, sort of on a, um, a half-funded scholarship. And it wasn't, wasn't one I could turn down because it was an opportunity for me to expand on my research. The reason I wanted to complete this course at the university was because it gave me a lot of scope to create um, a research project of my own. Um, it wasn't one that was sort of pinholed into um, certain ways. And as you've alluded to, I'm really passionate about coach burnout and researching that further. I want to know more about it and to then be able to affect policy and practice sort of later in my potential academic career. Um, so that was sort of the course I chose in terms of, of, of taking that study um, because it allowed me to create a research project of my own um, that led on really well for my undergrad. So my undergrad was looking at burnout. Um, as you've said, there's already a podcast on it, so I won't go into it. But it was looking at different factors that might affect burnout. For this study, uh, what I did was I looked at that paper and I, I worked out what the most prominent factor that affected burnout was and chose to explore that in further detail in this paper. So um, in terms of this this research we focus on entrapment and its relationship with burnout so entrapment is essentially how trapped the coach feels in the situation for whatever reason it might be financial and um, it might be they feel they owe a debt of gratitude to the participants or the people they work for and um, it might be that they think that that's the only thing they can do and they can't do anything else um, among other things and they feel trapped in that situation because of that um, so i wanted to explore that more in relation to burnout so as you've as you've also mentioned for me um, it's, it's a personal passion um, when I was 18, I burned out as a coach. I was doing quite a lot, um, sort of 70 hour weeks between college and voluntary coaching and, and paid coaching, which at 18 probably wasn't ideal. Um, burnt out because of it and sort of have seen the repercussions and potentially still see the repercussions today. Um, and it's something I'm really cautious about now. And, and as you said, very open about and I'm happy to have conversations about um, in terms of coach burnout. Hence why I want to wanted to complete this research and I now want to further it even still to help people not experience what I did. Um, in terms of the, the background behind it, we had 238 participants, a mix of coaches from different sports, different levels, some were recreational, some were professional. Um, we had a, a, a male-female split. It was a, a really big range of coaches almost to understand the coaching community as a whole before looking into the different subgroups potentially later on in my academic career. Um, study was quantitative um, so it was all data-based I collected data from five different pre-tested questionnaires that had been used in previous studies so I knew that they were valid and reliable um, we, we sort of collected what I collected the data and then analyzed it on a program called STSS using different an analysis methods and um, used that to almost infer my conclusions from it so that's sort of a, a background of the study if you like yeah so you know yeah significant sample size there Ben and um new research new findings so what are the new findings from from this particular research that, that you undertook amazing yeah so in order to sort of understand that um i'll just explain how burnout is conceptualized in in the paper and, and almost throughout research so burnout as a phenomenon is split into three different dimensions you have depersonalization um where you start to feel less of the person you are and um potentially less personable to the people around you um, you almost feel like you're floating in your own space and um, you have reduced personal accomplishment where you feel that you're not good enough um, that you're not doing enough which 
is, is an element of burnout and emotional exhaustion um, where we have your anxiety and your depression and um, you're just emotionally exhausted the whole time, have no headspace to think and you get home, you slump on the sofa and that's it. Um, that's sort of the three different dimensions. So in terms of what was found, potential new findings, um, the, the whole premise of the study was to examine entrapment in relation to each of these three dynamics to see which it might affect more um, mm. to see what symptoms coaches may have to look for more um, if they were to burn out. So the first one we explored or I explored um, was emotional exhaustion. Um, it was found to account for 36% of the, of the variance, meaning that entrapment um, was a likely effect of um, emotional exhaustion because of this coaches might have felt like they had no fight left to give um, and that was sort of the main precursor for this so if coaches felt like they had no fight left to give were starting to have depressive thoughts was starting to have random floods of anxiety for no reason it was likely being caused 36% um, by entrapment and leading to that level of burnout the next thing we, or I, uh, keep saying we, I focused on was reduced personal accomplishment. Now, this accounted for uh, essentially 20% of the variance um, in the link between entrapment and burnout through this strand, through this dimension. Um, again, sort of when attempting to understand it, when coaches start having a lack of self-belief, um, feeling like they're not good enough, like they're not good enough for their family, for the organisation, for the participants, um, that sort of linked to the the 20% spread of, of, of this link to burnout. So already um, we've got about 56% between these two dimensions linking entrapment to, to burnout across these dimensions. Um, and then the last one sort of focused on was depersonalization, that feeling of almost out of body, not being the person you're used to, um, not sort of being personable among other people. Um, and that accounted for 26 and a half percent of variance so sort of overall we've got about 70 80 percent of variance um in burnout that is is found by entrapment now that's not exclusive um to 100 percent. obviously there's different percentages with different factors that may affect um, but interestingly we can see that each of the different dimensions are impacted by entrapment on a, a quite significant level all of them are over 20 percent um meaning that all of them are massively impacted by entrapment in some way. So feeling trapped in a situation will very likely lead to a coach being burnt out. Um, and now that is the main takeaway that we've had um, or that I've had. And the different elements around it is what will now help us as practitioners, as providers, as coaches ourselves, recognise burnout in ourselves or others, those that we deploy um, those that we look after and are responsible for, it helps us work out potentially what element of entrapment is causing their burnout and allows us to pinpoint that and isolate it and then mitigate against that to potentially reduce their risk of burnout. Um, and that's sort of the overall aim of this is to, is to pinpoint the different elements of which is most likely a coach is burning out based on their situation. Um, with the idea being that with further development a coach will be able to take an entrapment questionnaire will be able to split their answers into um, the different three burnout categories and work out why they're burning out and work out what the cause is mm. because essentially they might not know obviously as deployers we might see for example depersonalization someone become robotic um, in terms of their persona 
maybe different behaviour in terms of constructive criticism, not being able to take it anymore. But they might not be able to see that and helping them recognise that is the important challenge of them being able to then mitigate against burnout themselves. It's easy for someone else to say it, but um, they need to actually understand it themselves. And the whole point of this research is to allow them to understand what element of their coaching life, career, or potentially personal life is impacting their burnout. Um, yeah. And this specific research is entrapment based. Yeah. And in terms of the new findings, um, before we start to move into the practicalities, mm. in your own experiences, you know, when you were 18, can are you able to relate to this entrapment? Yeah, absolutely. And, and that was really interesting for me when I was writing it up, because there were there were times where I was sat there and things just clicked into place in my head about what I was experiencing. So depersonalization, um, categorized quite predominantly by a robotic persona, not being able to take constructive criticism, that that sort of element of burnout was something that I had never considered myself, but actually reflecting back on it, several people commented on my personality being different um, over a course of a few months and actually speaking to them after the fact. They said it was almost robotic in terms of you couldn't really get much out of me. And if you were to give constructive criticism, I wouldn't be able to take it. And that's something I used to pride myself on was being able to take on board any development points and implement them. I wasn't having any bit at that stage and that really clicked into place and then I went back down the chain further and realized that actually I did feel entrapped in that situation um, I felt entrapped because I was 18 earning 15 pound an hour coaching and I thought I couldn't give that up at 18 I thought that that was almost a be on an end all in terms of earning financially and I felt that I then couldn't let down my employers um, the people who deployed me to different places I felt that I couldn't say no to sessions and would keep saying yes and I also then grew an affinity to the participants in my sessions. And I didn't want to let them down um, by stopping and, and having someone else come in. Um, but again, looking back from this then looking at the fact that I had a robotic persona, that I potentially wasn't as personal with them as I could have done. And I essentially changed as a person from when I first started coaching them. I realized that actually me staying would have then potentially impacted them and hurt them and that myself getting help for the burnout and giving myself time to rest and essentially recuperate was the best thing for them um but i didn't realize that until after the fact until i did this um which was sort of really interesting um, as i say a lot of coaches don't understand the signs of burnout while they're happening they think it's just part of life or something that's going on and obviously it builds in from personal life for a lot of coaches as well yeah. but yeah really important to sort of recognize those signs that yeah. i've potentially mentioned um so far can we dig into that a little bit more ben because i think um just to probably give clarity and precision on it is what do you see as the significant you know what's significant for coaches to be aware of what are the telltale signs of burnout for the coach not other people looking in but as a coaches as we are coaches what would you say are the telltale signs that burnout is either approaching or here yeah yeah amazing um yeah really good question so in terms of understanding the the telltale signs i won't split this into the three three categories because if you're a coach you don't need to understand the three categories necessarily that's more for deployers employers and policy writers to understand and um, for people who are hr departments or well-being departments to understand in terms of how they intervene um, most effectively because obviously different types of burnout and, and 
different focuses for a HR department need different types of intervention. But as a coach, you just need a fundamental understanding of what might be wrong. So you can then go to your GP or HR or wellbeing practitioner at work, um, occupational therapist as such, and, and have those discussions. So the first symptoms and, and signs that people will start to realise as a coach is just constant exhaustion. Um, being absolutely exhausted all the time above a state that you've ever been able to deal with not sleeping as well is is a really big one popping up and then uh, changing appetite so when I burnt out um, over two months I put on two stone hadn't realized myself and <laughs> obviously people around me were like lip and neck <laughs> that's, that's a big change um, but I hadn't realized because I was seeing myself every day and I was so head in the clouds that you don't realize that sort of weight changes is a, is a really big one to, to do Having sort of depressive thoughts or moments of anxiety where your heart rate starts to go fast for no reason or you start to sweat um, sort of profusely for no reason is, is another sign of burnout. That was something that sort of hit me and that eventually led me to the GP. And um, when I was sort of 18, before sort of understanding all of this, that was the predominant factor for me was the the heart rate and sweats that, that came with anxiety that I didn't know what caused that anxiety um, and predominantly with burnout we find that people don't know what causes the anxiety. It is coaching related but they don't know the exact pinpoint. It just seems like something that's happening. And then that robotic persona we talked about, if people are sort of constantly asking you, are you all right? Um, you don't see them yourself. If you can't take criticism, if you're not the same with people as, as how you used to be, if you're potentially not enjoying time out with your mates as much as you used to be, they're sort of the big telltale signs. And I know that's a really broad spectrum because um, it also then includes feeling like you're not good enough anymore um, feeling like you can't achieve what you want to achieve with the potential group you're coaching or in that line of work anymore it's, it's a really wide range of of symptoms and and telltale signs to look out for but it's a really wide subject hence it's split into three normally but my sort of message to coaches and I, I implore them if they are experiencing any of those things to either go to their gp or talk to an occupational therapist at work, HR department, your line manager, um, because I think the taboo around these things is, is starting to disappear really well. People are a lot more open to these conversations than they used to be. They're a lot more open to these conversations than when I was 18, just five years ago. And I've, I've definitely found that. So I'd absolutely implore people, um, especially looking at the, the target demographic of sort of 35 to 55 year old male coaches um, to, to really, if they're experiencing those things, have a discussion. It's not necessarily a, a reach out for help, it's a have a discussion as to how you can then mitigate against these factors and have longevity in your coaching. Yeah, really good advice there is about, you know, if people are struggling or or seeing that they've got particular telltale signs of burnout or heading towards burnout is to seek to seek help, isn't it? Rather than mm. rather than trying to you know, sweep it under the carpet and hopefully it will go away because these things have got a habit of not ever going away. In the in your research and your experience, how could we as coaches look beforehand to mitigate coach burnout? What you know, what could we do to to not go down that particular particular uh, route? You know, have you got any suggestions or or advice for? coaches you know new coaches coaches that are in the system already you know what what could they do to to mitigate burnout yeah um there's definitely definitely some things that i've learned um and that have sort of had to take forward and i think are, are, are really effective so the first one is not being afraid to say no um 
there's a, a, a big culture in terms of if you want to progress and get up the ladder or become a better coach, you have to say yes to everything. Now, that is not an exclusive yes to everything. That should be a, a say yes to every opportunity that is relevant and adds value to you. If an opportunity doesn't add value to you um, as a coach, as a person, then feel free to say no to it because that will help your uh, mental well-being and your burnout. At the end of the day, if you are to burn out as a coach, you lose that longevity of coaching um, and it potentially sets you back more than saying no to one opportunity. Um, I'm not saying say no to every opportunity, um, not at all, um, because <laughs> you, 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 you can't progress at that stage. But um, it's more looking at being strategic around the opportunities that you do take um, in terms of the ones that are better for your well-being. Um, that's sort of from more of a personal experience in terms of the research the research showed so another element of the research was looking at social support and how that could potentially uh, moderate a relationship between burnout and um, entrapment we didn't find a moderating relationship or I didn't find a moderating relationship um, but I did find that it correlated quite positively um, in terms of it had a positive effect on burnout um, being reduced by having a stronger social support network. So as a coach, making time to see your family or your mates, potentially if you've drifted away from your mates, um, getting back in contact with them and having that social support network because that mitigates against burnout really well. Having those people there that you don't even have to talk to about it, but are there to support you and just the actual process um, of feeling supported helps you don't have to be supported every minute but feeling supported helps you feel like you're not alone in that situation and the research really um, quite significantly indicated towards having a good social support network um, obviously it's, it's quite tricky because if you've got stressful home life um, and a stressful coaching job um, that then almost fast tracks your burnout you then need something where you have a social outlet be that seeing your mates be that taking part in the sport yourself um, but not as a lead actually as just enjoying it and participating and going on trips to actually enjoy the sport and remember why you fell in love with it. Um, mm. I think a lot of coaches do uh, get lost and lose their way and get so blinded by becoming the best coach possible that they must forget why they took up that um, in the end. And Having a social network will massively help mitigate against burnout because it's also people that can potentially realise the early stages of and point it out to you. Mm. Yeah, no, yeah. Over the years, as you, as you know, I've talked to a lot of coaches, and um, it's interesting that you know there's quite a lot of people that have taken time out and actually stopped coaching and gone and actually saying, "I'm going back to the sport to to, to enjoy it," um, and they and and to re reignite them their enthusiasm with that particular sport. Throughout throughout our conversation, um, you have you have alluded to employers and you know these are my words um and having a responsibility so you know head coaches performance directors you know employers club committees are all deployers in themselves and as i said they you know it feels like they have a responsibility what should employers or deployers be doing and what are the pitfalls really really good question um Obviously, sort of the, the ultimate aim of, of any piece of research is to add value um, to the field in which it's 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 done in and the value I feel that I want to be adding um, through further research through this and 
and, and through potentially making more contacts within industry is to uh, have organisations, NDPs, um, deployers, employers, club committees, as you've all alluded to, realise that burnout is part of their responsibility to the people that they are deploying, um, as as you've said, Lee. Um, and I know that's something that you feel very strongly on as well from sort of the times that we work together. In terms of what employers, deployers, um, and, and NGBs committees can do to facilitate these things, um, and these are all sort of recommendations that were at the end of the research, was to ensure that there is a social support network for employees to the stage where potentially they're encouraged to, to socialise during a lunch break. Um, taking a standard sort of coaching group, let's say, um, if there is a lunch while you're coaching, a lot of the time you're not actually having a break. You're still thinking about the session. You're thinking about um, the participants. You're dealing with bits that need to be dealt with. Actually having the ability to encourage those people. Um, so if you've got group leaders to take it in turns to go off together and get some lunch, um, have a chat and actually build those personal relationships with each other. That that massively helps having that social support network within that work environment, that coach environment, even at sort of a grassroots club level. Um, going to the pub after a session together um, can really help build that support network, but not making people feel they have to go to the pub after, making people want to go, because if they feel they have to go, it adds to burnout, it becomes another coaching task. Mm. Whereas if they want to go and have a drink and a chat and not chat about the session at all, um, that's then a, a really good way of building a social network that they have that potentially is unproblematic to them. Um, and I'm, as I said, not talking about coaching at all, actually talking about you know what they've been doing, the football that's been on the telly, the rugby that's been on the telly, the cricket that's been on the telly, and, and taking themselves out of that sort of paddle sport chat um, for a brief time. Mm. Um, another way is to adjust coach workloads, and I know that's not always possible, um, but if there is a coach that seems to be burning out then, um, potentially need to adjust that coach's workload and it's then a really tricky balance because you don't want to overload on another coach and burn them out um, mm. so it's about putting that consideration into policy in terms of um, a minimum amount of coaches whereby burnout can be covered if someone is uh, about to burn out because you're a lot better to cover someone who's pre-burnout than someone who has burnout you're looking at a few weeks instead of a few months um, from a deploys sort of almost operational point of view um, mitigating it before it becomes a big issue is, is definitely the best way of dealing with it mm. um also monitoring coach behavior actually looking out for them um, that robotic persona i discussed earlier um just always considering their behavior and i'm not saying watch them like big brother um, and and always put an arm around them and always try and get them to talk because that is also counterproductive but um, monitor their behavior and just see if you can tell any changes and almost foster that culture of openness within your organization within your club and i know as i've said like that is growing massively now um, but trying to reach everyone within your club or organization um, or center mm. um, that there is that open culture and, and lastly is to write it into policy and practice into your club constitution um, is to to have coaching organizations and clubs write a consideration of entrapment and burnout into their training policy to safeguard coaches working for them. Um, and that, that for me is sort of the, the, the best way deployers can do it. Um, for me personally, I'm going to look at doing a longitudinal study to see how burnout can change in its multidimensional nature across the season to give deployers a better 
understanding of the crunch points throughout the year that they might need to be careful of and mitigate against and the extra support in um, because that that is, is something that could be a really key consideration and I'm also going to look at a further study into the possibility of generating a model for predicting burnout based on entrapment and um, when it might occur in in terms of a time scale based on that longitudinal study um, as part of the study I've just done we had or I had a 79% success rate of predicting burnout based on their entrapment rate Mm-hmm. Um, so if we can, or if I can get that up to 95% based on different models um, and sort of using a longitudinal study, then we'd potentially have a tool where developers, developers, sorry, deployers actually have um, a way of inputting a current entrapment score for a, a coach and using that to predict when they're going to burn out and how to mitigate against that, which would be immensely powerful um, in terms of in terms of this setting so that's sort of where I want to be in terms of deploys and helping them um, sort of on top of what they can be doing already yeah and I think the bit that that I you know when listening to you Ben is it's quite common isn't it that if you are good you get more you get more placed on you and it's it's, you know you can you see it in having every organization not just coaching that if you're good at your your job, you tend to get given more. And this is the bit that, you know, we all need to be really conscious of when we are responsible for others, that it's easy to overload. And that's where you need to actually, you know, strike while the iron's hot is actually not even get to that point of actually giving people more than they they should be doing. Um, 100%, 100%. Actually, I've, I've got a an interesting one for you Lee potentially spinning it back round on you um doesn't normally happen in podcasts but a question to you as as the host obviously loads of years experience of coaching and um if you were to still sort of be coaching at that that frequent level what would you do to mitigate your own burnout as a a person having sort of listened to to this and, and and other experiences it's a really good question I wasn't expecting it at all Ben um I cycle a lot and one of the things that um, I really enjoy my cycling um, to the extent that I do bore people with it and I always said I would never make it my job cycling is for me so I always try to make room for at least three cycles a week that I get the space of at least two to three hours on the bike each time to give me headspace, to enjoy something different, to exercise. Um, I tend to like hills. There's probably something wrong with me. Um, so that that's that's the escape that I have, and I still have that escape now. And although I'm not coaching, uh, I'm on the coal face as much as I used to be. I still think that helps me within this role as well, um, because it just gives me that separation um, rather than actually doing that or thinking about work all the time so yeah that's that that's yeah um i wasn't expecting that ben thank you <laughs> ben as i said at the beginning um i know you're busy i really appreciate your time and i do hope that uh, the listeners have really enjoyed the the part two of actually looking at this such an insignificant and important areas such as coach burnout a lot of times we do neglect coaches a lot of our focus is around the athletes or the participants and the coaches welfare well-being um seems to be neglected and not purposely but it just gets neglected so i think this is really prominent and um 
it sort of you know hits hits a few areas that, that I'm involved with, and I think you know a lot of other directors of coaches etc are already aware of as well so yeah really appreciate your time ben for everyone that's listening the research you know ben's extremely uh kind and uh, allowed us to put his research onto the digital library so the british can award in bits probably digital library and that can be found yeah thanks again ben and uh, really appreciate your time you take care thank you very much for having me lee Thanks for listening. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. Remember to review, rate and subscribe. Bye for now.